Well, good morning, church. How's everybody? Hope everyone's having a happy summer. As you can see, the Wildens are tan from some time down in South Carolina. Uh, there's nothing like celebrating July 4th on a lake with a bunch of rednecks. And uh, we, had, we had a great time first one week with my family, I mean with Annabeth's family. Every week, we, every year we go down to Myrtle Beach, uh, Dirty Myrtle Beach, and have some fun. We're on the north side of Myrtle Beach, so if you're familiar with that area, that's the bougie side of Myrtle Beach, and have some fun with all 6,455 members of my in-laws, and uh, tons of people had a great time together, and then uh, I got to do some preaching down in Louisiana, uh, there was a heat index of 120 degrees down there all week, and so I lost 50 pounds and then put it back on as I joined my parents at Lake Hartwell in South Carolina for my dad's 70th birthday and some July 4th fun. And uh, speaking of birthdays, my oldest son is 15 today. Happy birthday, Bolt. <laughs> Taller than his daddy, officially, and I'm a little depressed about it. But uh, love my bolster. Open up your Bibles, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verse 1 through 16 today as we continue our journey in the book of Acts that we've been kind of walking through for about a year and a half together. And uh, God's been so faithful as we've walked through his word. I've entitled our message today, Connecting Changes Everything. Tell your neighbor that next to you right now. Say, connecting changes everything. One more time. Connecting changes everything. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Rob Wilton. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and I want to welcome you, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. Can we give it up for our first-time guests in the house? We are so, so thankful that you are here. We're a movement of truth love and community. And although half our congregation's on vacation this week, uh, we would love for you to join this movement of truth, love, and community. And so let us know how we can serve you in any way. Um, we did take this trip uh, down south, as you guys can hear, if you've uh, not known much about me, I'm not from Pittsburgh. And uh, I'm from uh, actually, New Orleans. I was born and raised in New Orleans, but uh, my dad became pastor of a church in the upstate of South Carolina about 30 years ago. And uh, it was there that I met my honey bun, my wife of 19 years, Annabeth, who sang up here on stage. And uh, so our lives are in South Carolina. We love going back to South Carolina. Uh, we were at this place called Lake Hartwell. So if you're familiar with Clemson University, it's kind of around this area. But a more important university uh, next to Lake Hartwell is a university called Anderson University. And Anderson University is significant because that's where Annabeth went to school, okay? And uh, she played college soccer, and uh, she went to Anderson University. I went to North Greenville University. And, and so we went down memory lane. I said to Annabeth, as we we're kind of wrapping up our time at Lake Hartwell with our family, I was like, have you been back to your college? Like, I can't remember. She's like, I don't think I've been back since I graduated. And so we went, and we checked out all this stuff. And it's so funny to hear you know, when you go down memory lane, if y'all have done that recently, where you've grown up or whatever else, I mean, I've never left Pittsburgh, so it's like every day for you. Uh, but uh, we, we went back and I mean, like, as we're about to get on camp, she goes, 
I think I remember there's a Wendy's around this corner. And I was like, do you think it's there? And we turn around. I've never seen someone get so excited about a Wendy's in all my life. She was like, I used to love getting the French fries and Frosties at that Wendy's after soccer practice, you know? And so we're walking all around this campus and Annabeth and I are remembering, if y'all have uh, heard our story before, uh, we've been together a long time, married 19 years, but we dated seven years before that. And so uh, a lot of breakups, uh, Mostly her fault, you know. Uh, but uh, we actually hung out a little bit as a dating couple there at Anderson University, and we're, you know, being reminded of a bench that we would sit at. And I'm also remembering some bad things that happened. Like the one time, at that time, my first two years in college, I was at a school called Covenant College, about five hours away, in a place called Chattanooga, Tennessee right on top of Lookout Mountain. And that's where I went to school my first two years of college and played basketball there. And so I visited Annabeth at Anderson. Then it was called college, Anderson College. And uh, let's just say we stayed out a little bit too late, but I had to get back because I had basketball workout practice the next morning really early, like weights at about 6.30 uh, with my team. And so we went and saw a movie and then we hung out late at a Waffle House, which is what you do in South Carolina. And uh, it was about, you know, midnight, to be honest, but I had to get back. I mean, I was barely going to make practice, and I'm going to drive through the night. Well, this is before cell phones. I mean, the way we communicated back then was instant messenger. Y'all remember instant messenger? Uh, that's how we communicated, you know, only if we had a, you know, dial-up connection to uh, some sort of landline. Well, I take off middle of the night, and uh, let's just say I didn't make it back. Um, about an hour down the road, I can fall asleep standing up, okay? It's been a problem of mine my whole life. Uh, Burke, one of my sons, has the same problem. He can fall asleep just about anywhere. But about an hour down the road, I'm like, I just got to get a power nap. Just a quick power nap. So I pull off at a truck stop. Next thing I wake up, some loud noise, a truck next to me. It's like 8.30 in the morning. She's panicking, has sent state troopers to find my body on the side of the road, on the interstate. So it's amazing what you think about, right? When you reflect back, I can't even begin to tell you what my coach did to me for missing practice and all that stuff. But uh, and when I think back and I take kind of a trip down memory lane, what, what do you think about? Well, I know what I think about. I think about people. Like it's not just about a place or a food, right, that I eat or uh, something. It's about people, and we're going to take kind of like a, a trip down Paul's journey here because Paul's been in the city of Ephesus. And um, although we took a break last week, didn't Josh do an amazing job preaching a message, lost and found? Man, it was so good. Thank you, Josh, for preaching the word and our movement youth leader. We had a great time yesterday at Kennywood. I'm still, my equilibrium's off. I'm getting old. I'm just being honest. So like, I, I did two roller coasters. That was all I did. And I'm floating today a little bit, all right? Um, but we had so much fun at Kennywood yesterday. And Josh, man, just gave a great message on the fact that, you know, Jesus pursues us and he rescues us. And we're called to do the same. The week before that, Pastor Ben preached and, and he unpacked this, you know, riot in Ephesus that happened. Now, I just got to correct his uh, sermon just for one second here. He, he, he talked a lot about Taylor Swift at the beginning and talked about how much he loved Taylor Swift. And in the text, in the text, and I know this is four weeks we've talked about Taylor Swift. 
in the text, okay, Paul is preaching the gospel and it confronts the worship of a goddess in Ephesus. This guy chose not to preach against his idolatry of Taylor Swift. Completely missing the context. Thank goodness I'm the lead pastor here and I get the mic at the last chance. So just in case you're like, Ben's a heretic, he should have repented of his worship of Taylor Swift. I'm telling you, I've been calling him to repent for months now. And so it's between him and God. I can't really do anything about that. It's the Holy Spirit's got to convict his heart and call him to full repentance. All right, back into what we're talking about. Paul goes on a missionary journey. And he's wrapping up his third missionary journey here. And we're going we're gonna to see some places that he goes because he's on a mission to get back to Jerusalem. He wants to get back to Jerusalem. But next week's going to be a very powerful message. Don't miss it. All right, a little plug for next week. Because Paul addresses the Ephesian elders and he, he gives them some words of encouragement and he reminds them of some things. And I think Pastor Paul's got a special word for us next week as he talks about the importance of the church and continuing on mission and, and different things. But um, this week, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of see Paul bring to a close some things as he's heading back to Jerusalem. One of the things that you're going to find as we talk about this is that connecting changes everything. That Paul's not just on some sort of, you know, overseas trip to check out sites. I was just talking with Johnny and we're talking about Europe and some beautiful places in the world. I hope you love traveling and going and seeing things. But the stuff that really makes life pop, I don't know about you, but it's people. It's people. And it was true of Paul too. So let's begin this journey. We're gonna kind of take our time. I've hardly got any, I've, I've, I've seriously, I've got four points today, but I'm gonna share it at the end. I have no idea where I'm gonna go in this text, so you guys are in trouble, all right? Let's jump into the text. Acts chapter 20. It says, after the uproar ceased. Now, if you wanna know about the uproar, go and listen to Pastor Ben's message, okay? That he almost preached correctly, right? After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, okay? And it says, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. Now, I think there's something that we need to remind ourselves about. We're gonna talk about this more next week, but um, when it comes to Ephesus, you know, you can come to uh, Ephesus today. I've been to Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and uh, you're not going to find this church anymore. <laughs> you're going to find a bunch of rubble, and uh, there's a whole lot of things that have left. And I think one of the reasons why uh, we see kind of an exodus happen is, remember the word to the church in Ephesus in Revelation? Um, maybe you need to be reminded of this. Revelation chapter 2 says, To the angel of the Lord... Of the church in Ephesus, right? The words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles or are not or found themselves to be false. So you got a great reputation for religiosity. But he says this, and I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. You have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. 
This is the church at Ephesus. When I think of Ephesus, I'm, I'm gonna let y'all know something about Pastor Rob. The book of Ephesians is my favorite book of the Bible. Okay, so I, I love the book of Ephesians. But I'm always sombered and humbled by the book of Ephesians because these were a group of people who were so busy doing things for Jesus that they forgot about Jesus. So we're gonna find out that the, the connecting piece Moms, dads, are you working so hard to provide for your kids but not spending any time with them? We wanna lock in on what matters most, on the, on the people side of things. And, and as I consider Paul here in this text that you know things are, are starting to calm down or whatever, he starts to pour into people and he grabs his disciples. And I love this, after encouraging, encouraging them, he said farewell and now he begins this journey back to Jerusalem. Now, verse two, said, when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement. I love that. He came to Greece. So he gives encouragement to the church. And I don't know if we've brought this up, but one of the reasons why he's not just going directly back to Jerusalem, you know why? As he went to go visit all these places, we've been reading about this in the book of Acts. He's been planning the gospel, right? leading people to Jesus, establishing churches as he makes disciples. Well, one of the reasons why he's kind of going on this tour again through all these places, instead of just heading right back to the home church or the mother church in Jerusalem, is because, do you know what he's doing? He's taking up an offering. He's going around to all these people groups and he's collecting offering and he's collecting encouragement to bring back to the church in Jerusalem to be a part of the global worldwide movement that Jesus had begun from Jerusalem when he conquered sin, death, and hell upon the cross and arose from the grave. And so he's doing this and he's offering encouragement. He's bringing collections and he's now come to Greece. It says there he spent three months in verse three. Now, we don't know fully why three months, but I'll tell you this, and you guys understand this because you're Pittsburghers. I think it could have been because it's the winter months. And you can't really sail or be out on the ocean during the winter months. It was a hard time to travel. And so you think Paul just wasted his time for those three months? No. He was pouring into people, preaching the gospel, encouraging. Man, he was doing what he does everywhere. And so for three months... He's there in Greece. And you never guess what happens. It's like a broken record player. And when a plot was made against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Now he's going back. He's backtracking a little bit to some of the places that he's been. I apologize ahead of time if I accidentally cuss as I start to continue to read these words, okay? These are not easy words to share, but I'm gonna do my best, okay? Uh, so Pater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, <laughs> Aristarchus, and Secondus, right? And Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus, and Trophimus. <laughs> these are some tough names. Please don't name your kids these names. And I apologize if you've already done so. And I just insulted you. 
If you got a son named Trophimus, I'll call him Trophy. Um, verse five, these went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. Troas, okay? So what's the significance? Here's, I loved it. Some of you are like, these names don't mean nothing to me. They meant something to Paul. For, for, for him, this is what he thought about. So let's just take one. So Potter, the Berean. Is he thinking about Berea or Sopater? Sopater. Maybe had some good meals at Wendy's and joined some Frosties and fries. Y'all with me? I mean, Annabeth starts saying, you remember my roommate, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't remember, right? She remembers though, because she had Frosties and fries with a roommate, right? And so there's this term of affection. I love this. Remember, we talked about Paul and Berea. Remember, the Bereans leaned in. They were eager for the word of God. So maybe Sopater was one of the individuals that really leaned in, said, Paul, man, how can I serve? Maybe, maybe possibly Sopater was one of the guys that um, came alongside Paul in his hard times. How many of y'all remember people in your life who've been there for you in hard times? See, connecting changes everything. These individuals, and I don't have time to break down, and we don't actually historically know a whole lot about each of these individuals. Here's the one thing that I do know is they're representatives of each of the places where Paul went to minister, and they are called to be representatives in caring about this offering and continuance of what Jesus had done for them so that Jesus would continue to do so for others. May we always be people who continue to look ahead. May we always be people who don't just say, oh man, I got Jesus, I'm good. Everybody else can go to hell. No, may we be people that say, you know what? What Jesus Christ has done for me. Is there anybody else? Oh, hey, my name's Rob. What Jesus has done for me, he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. See, the continuance, connecting Here changes everything. All right, verse six. We might get done before two. It says, but we sailed away from Philippi. Who's the we here? Who's the author of Acts? Luke, right? And so he's talking about, he's over here, Paul and his boys are over here and they're eventually gonna come together, but that's what they're talking about here, okay? But we sailed away from Philippi. Remember we spent some time in Philippi. Paul planned the church in Philippi. This is Timothy, significance of Timothy. After the days of unleavened bread, what's the significance? This is something that takes place after Passover. And it says, and in five days, we came to them at Troas. All right? So Troas, now everybody's together, right? I love this. They're locking in together, man. They're, they're telling the stories of all that God's done, but now there's a gathering together and there's something powerful about gathering together, isn't there? There's something powerful about, yes, scattering and being on mission, but there's something powerful about coming together once a week like this on a Sunday. And how are you? Man, can I pray for you about anything? That worship. I don't know about y'all. I was a little funky this morning. Maybe it was the weather. I don't know. But like, as Phoebe started, like, be exalted now in the heaven as we go. I mean, like Mac was right there. I about punched him. I was so fired up. Did y'all feel it? There was something there. Be exalted. Thank you, Phoebe. That was just so good. 
That was so good. So here they come together. And they stay for seven days. Now it says, on the first day of the week, which day is this? Sunday. Okay? The first day of the week, as I say one comment, this is getting way off, but this shows you how my mind's all over the place. Why do we, right, um, worship on Sunday when the Sabbath day is what? Saturday, right? Well, the significance of it, historically, there's some people who, you know, believe we should only worship on Saturday, right? And, and, and that should be the day of worship and the Sabbath or whatever else. But, you know, things kind of shifted when uh, Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell and arose from the grave on a Sunday, right? And so that's why that Christian tradition, you know, invites a lot of us to that. But first day of the week, I love this. When we were gathered together, so everyone's now united, they're locking in, but are they just like chilling? No, they're, they're st- diving into some stuff. They're, they're not gonna waste this moment of coming together to encourage one another, to fire each other up, to tell stories of all that God's done because connecting changes everything. And it says there, when we were gathered together to break bread, now, this, back in the day, would be like the agape feast or the love feast where there would definitely be some eating of food. <laughs> Anybody like eating food, right? When I think about college, I think about my nickname in college. I was Fat Rob, okay? That was my nickname. You, you find some of my friends. I ran into one of my friends at an airport as I traveled to, and literally, his text was, is that you, Fat? <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. Okay, some people would be insulted. I'm like, that's one of my college buddies. Look at my phone, oh, it's Mackenzie. You know what I responded back? Yes, it is, Whooper. That's what I called him. All right, Fat and Whooper. We are quite the duo, right? And so, like, I'm, I'm just telling, like, so here, they're coming together, they're enjoying some food, they're having a meal together, but part of the love feast, the agape feast, was also communion. So they're reflecting upon Christ, who's the very reason why they're even locked in together. It's all because of Jesus. Now, this next part really just encourages me. So Paul seizes this opportunity to preach, to pour in, and says, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. This is a power sermon. I don't want to hear any more complaining that I preach too long. Don't want to hear it, okay? Until I put you in that seat, if you last, because I keep reminding myself you're voluntarily here. I can't force you. Try and make up something from Revelation to give you guilt if you get up out of your chair. But at the core, you're not forced to be here. You're not like my son just left me (laughs) in the middle of my sermon. Can't even keep my own kids in the room. Um, until I hold you till midnight, I don't want to hear any complaints. All right? Paul here is going to preach till midnight. I do love, I hope you love, our church really values preaching the word, teaching the word. And, and I know these are like seminary terms, but we believe in biblical expositionary preaching. Like we believe in walking through a text. I mean, we've been in Acts 
somebody needs to confirm this. That's well, I think it's been over a year and a half. We've been in the book of Acts. Just taking our time through it. I'm not in some sort of rush, right? At some level, I'm sorry, guys, but sermonettes create Christianettes. We want to be in the word. We, we want to unpack the word. We, we love the word, right? And so here's Paul, and he's like, man, I, I think the greatest thing that I could do with all my, my boys from all the different places that we've been is to not just, you know, watch the Steelers game. No, let's unpack the word. Let's, let's dive into the word. And so Paul, I guess he's like, you know, in the zone, spirit-filled, whatever else, you know. Um, but he starts preaching and he prolongs his speech, which means he had like four points, but then he just kept going. And it says, there were many lamps in the upper room. This story gets wild. Where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, okay? Which when you um, learn about the meaning of his name, it's kind of funny. Isn't it ironic? His name means fortunate. What's about to happen is not so fortunate, all right? So Eutychus, thanks, Matt. Glad you could join us. Eutychus, who's sitting at the window, okay, on this long sermon all the way through midnight, right? It says, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. So old Eutychus hanging up on the window. God, that dude won't wrap up. Got to get to, you know, Cracker Barrel, beat the Presbyterians. You know, what's going on here? You know, I mean, he's sitting on the window. He falls into a deep sleep. All right, I just preached at a, a youth camp down in Louisiana Tech, Ruston, Louisiana, home of Carl Malone. Remember the mailman, Carl Malone, Utah Jazz? I mean, middle nowhere, armpit of America. And, uh, and, and I'm down there, 1,500 students, and, and God's just so good. He's so kind to me. On the Wednesday night, I preach on the cross, and we had over 50 decisions for Christ. I was just so thankful. I mean, power, just power of God came down. The next night, I get up, and the whole theme for the week is the Trinity, night one, then God the Father, night two, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. So I get up, and I, y'all know me, I'm a huge Holy Spirit fan. I'm kind of Baptocostal. I had like a million notes, and I start unpacking the Holy Spirit, man. And like I'm in the zone, preaching on, I mean, 50 kids have responded to the gospel. Like I'm in the, and I turn to my right. <laughs> I'm not making this up. And the entire first two rows, all those students were asleep in the middle of my sermon. So y'all know me. I love playing with you. I, I walk on, in the name of Jesus, you know, rattled all of them, woke them up. But I'm like, you know, if Paul puts somebody to sleep preaching, I don't feel so bad. I don't feel so bad. This is the apostle Paul, right? And I know people got issues. Some people like, you know, Burke, is it narcolepsy? I think Burke's got narcolepsy or whatever, you know, and uh, some people, you know, take medicine that makes them go to sleep and you know, I know all that. I know sometimes I'm boring, okay? I get it. People fall asleep. But here, Paul, this dude falls asleep. But he doesn't just fall asleep. Look at this. And being overcome by sleep. 
he fell down out of the window from the third story and was taken up dead. So the dude dies. Once again, I just take comfort from this. It's a tragedy, but somebody fell asleep while Paul was preaching. And if I can just tell you guys, like, it's the hardest thing for a pastor. Like, yeah, it's summer, right? But it's not easy. I'm always, maybe you're so spiritual, you only see people's hearts. And you just give everybody the benefit of the doubt. that They're just a sweet, look at their heart. God bless them with a sweet heart. I only see flesh, Right? I can tell right now, one of my sons is on his phone. There's two people right there, and there's two seats right there, empty. So what does my flesh say? Ah, we're empty. I look around, I see empty seats, right? I only see people's exterior. And some of y'all, I'll just be honest, I keep going back to you. You are so delightful to preach to. You actually make me feel like I'm doing a great job. So I come to you all the time. Because I'm just like, oh, yes, that's a smiler. I, I, might, I might not even know what's coming out of my mouth, but that person right there, that person makes me feel like I'm an amazing preacher. So I just, you wonder why I stare at you all the time? You got an amazing smile. Some of y'all look like death has just happened on your face. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, as I'm preaching, I don't go to you. I avoid you like the plague. I am not gonna lock in with you because you make me feel like my zipper's down. <laughs> That's just the reality of preaching, okay? Like, at some level, yes, the external matters. Can we all be real as humans? External matters. I will say Pittsburgh, we're a pretty stone-cold city. We just are not real happy faces, okay? We should probably fix that. Oh, my, my grandpa always acted like that. Well, your grandpa was wrong. Okay, you need to be a little more cheerful because people can only judge the external. Have you ever wondered why we put so much effort into the environment here? Could you imagine if you were walking over like dirty laundry on your way to church? That wouldn't be a good impression because the external matters, Right? We make sure we vacuum and we clean and presentation. Those things matter. They're not God, but they matter, right? So just look at me. I'm giving this fall asleep in my sermon. It's not the most important thing that matters. I'd rather you fall asleep here at church and have a sleepy body, right, than have a sleepy heart. My core, he's 15, my, my mission is not, and I'm so blown away, this dude, like, taller than me, strong, all this stuff. I'm like, babe, I never saw that body. He definitely got it from your side of the family, right? And the external matters and all that kind of stuff, but as a dad, you know what I'm after? His heart. I don't care about the external as much. The heart that wasn't even in my notes. We better get back in. Dude dies, falling asleep. Rob, how'd you do that? I don't know. Verse 10. It says, but Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. 
Um, there's an Old Testament prophet that did something similar, okay? Raised a boy from the dead. His name's Elijah, the prophet. And he declared life over someone who had died, right? So this is not unfamiliar. I promise you, Paul, Pharisee of Pharisees, he knew the story, right? But he had also witnessed tons of miracles. And here the power of God. Some are like, well, he wasn't really dead. Uh, in the text, it says he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. I'm, I've got my doctorate, went to seminary. Dead there is translated dead. I'm telling you, trust me, dead. And yet Paul comes over to him, breathes life, and this boy's alive, Eutychus. All right, verse 11. This is, this, you gotta find humor in scripture. You just got to. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread. Okay, there's no transitional scripture. I think maybe Luke's being funny or maybe this is accurately what happened when it went down, <laughs> okay? But it's not like, okay, there was life in him and then everybody came around and prayed and found his mama and prayed and, and we had to stop the service and our plans because someone almost died. Eutychus almost died, so we had to change all the plans. No, it's like, you know, dude falls out of the window. Paul's like, he's good. Point four, goes back and preaches. Like grabs some food. I've been three hours in. They look like they're dropping out of windows now, but I'm at least going to keep going. I don't really care what's happening. And he starts to eat. And then he goes and he converses with them a little bit more. And now, just in case you get mad about the idea of midnight, how long did he keep going? Until daybreak. I ain't going to lie. If any pastor here, okay, preaches till daybreak, you're, just leave. Get out of here. No sermons worth that long. But here until daybreak, they departed. Dude comes back to life. <laughs> this crazy thing. I mean, this is where I find the humor in the text. And uh, Luke says, Paul's just like, you know, after, oh, he's fine, he's okay. Point number four, jumps back into the text. In verse 12, it says, and they took the youth away alive. And then I, I really get troubled by the ESV's translation here. It says, and we're not a little comforted. Okay, there's a lot of comfort. I don't know why you say that, but y'all understand that in Pittsburgh. Y'all say things nobody says. Great comfort. Verse 13, we're about wrapping this up. But going on ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged. So Paul here is now on a trek back to Jerusalem. This is the back end of our journey here. We're gonna have a lot of fun in chapter 20 all the way through 28 together as we close out Acts this year. But I love this. It says, for so he had arranged, intend himself now to go by land. So this is Paul <laughs> surviving a riot, all these crazy times. He's like, you guys sail, I'll walk. And I know I'm reading into the text here. Do you know one of the reasons why I think he's doing this? Because he's getting more time with people. 
Like, he, he probably knows, like, I might not ever see these people again. So you sail, I'm gonna go on land. I'm gonna walk. And just get a few extra moments with the people I love, right? Now, the difference between my family and Annabeth's family is how we say goodbye. Um, Annabeth's family, you're gonna say I love you and goodbye 70 million times before you finally go separate ways. Me and my brother, like, right? Paul here is like, I just, I want an extra moment. Hey, will you walk with me? We're gonna go to this other port. We're gonna go to this other city. Will you walk with me? Your sister's calling from Africa. My sister's calling you from Africa. They share the birthday together, so. Sorry, ADD, let's go back in. It says in verse 14, and when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene, and sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. Miletus is going to be significant next week when Paul begins to speak to the Ephesian elders. Now, here's something interesting. Do you know that Miletus is about 30 miles on the trek? I should have showed you a map. Maybe I'll show you a map next week past Ephesus because Paul's got something on his mind. He's headed back to Jerusalem. And so what he's doing is he's positioning himself because he can't waste any more time because God's called him to a mission. He's looking ahead. He loves all the connection that's happened in his life, but he knows that God's called him not to holy hoard, but to keep looking as Josh reminded us last week. I got a mission. I gotta keep going, I gotta keep serving the Lord. And so he positions this time when we'll get into this next week where he addresses the elders in Ephesus from Miletus. And it sets up this beautiful time, verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus, there it is, so that he might not have to spend time in Asia for he was hastening, here it is, to be at Jerusalem if possible, on the day of Pentecost. One pastor that I uh, listened to and read, and this is what happens when I have three weeks to think about a sermon. I, I read a whole lot of things. Is He parallels how Luke, who wrote Acts and the Gospel of Luke, he parallels Jesus' mission to get back to Jerusalem and Paul's. And he says both Jesus and Paul um, went with disciples on their way to Jerusalem, were opposed by hostile Jews. <laughs> I think that's interesting. Predicted that they would face great suffering in Jerusalem. Were both determined to go to Jerusalem. And lastly, both very much willing to die for the sake of God. Hey, connecting changes everything. If you don't get anything, just consider writing these four points as we close. Connecting changes everything. If it's true that people, right? Yes, I understand God and what he does for you is for you and you need a quiet time with the Lord and an intimate time with the Lord. That's very important, but God designed us to walk with him and people. Two greatest commands are to love God and to love 
people. Can we just raise your hand if you would say at some level you need people in your life? Anybody? We need each other. Can I, can I just let you know something? Like, I'm, I'm a weird introvert. I, I am. Y'all, y'all remind me of that. I know it. I get it. But, like, times in my life where I only am by myself are the worst times of my life. The greatest memories, the greatest time with God the, have always been when I've been around people. As much as my flesh doesn't trust people at times and doesn't want to. I love me some me time. I love being on a, on a stream, fly fishing with nobody around and my cell phone not working. I, I love those times. I'll confess to you, they're never greater than a be exalted now and forever. Worship time right here. Never greater than those moments. So if that's true, let's write these down. Link up. Link up. Was Paul throwing out random names here? No, there were strategic moments where he stepped into places, stepped into cities, and he made the effort to make a friend, to link up. Okay, I'm gonna challenge Vintage Church. You ready for something? Some of y'all come here each and every week. Don't have to do it after today because everybody's gonna be looking out for it. Next week, come and exchange phone numbers with three new people. Three new people. Link up. If it's true that when we reflect back on our lives, that connecting changes everything, how many of y'all have ever connected with someone in your life and literally you can trace back the miracles that you began to experience all come back to you exchanging a phone number with a new friend. Annabeth went and hung out with some of her high school friends. Now their kids all grown up and swimming at pools together. I promise you, she can go back to that moment where I actually became a friend. Link up. Um, at Vintage Church, we have a number of ways that we love facilitating this. We have things like the Connect Track. We have V Groups. We have V teams, we have this worship service every week. These are environments that we love you connecting with, but even, hear me out on this, you can join a V group and not link up. Take a strategic moment to say, hey, hey, when you were sharing, um, I didn't wanna put this on blast in front of the whole group, but the struggle you had that you shared tonight at V group, I, I feel like I'm about to go through that is there any way that we could get coffee this week and you could tell me what God taught you because I really feel like I need to prepare my life for what you just went through. You all with me? That's the link up. That's a strategic next step. Not necessarily Pastor Rob saying, everybody's gotta see each other at this moment and act like they're church people and smile and not have depressing faces so Pastor Rob feels good about his sermon. Number two, lock in. Lock in. I promise you, this wasn't just, hey, have y'all ever done that? <laughs> Exchange the number. Never called back. Another bad. I mean, y'all are like, Rob, why are you a pastor? I don't know. I ask myself that every day. Um, I'm really long distance. I'm a really bad long distance friend. I just, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's hard for me. I'm all in. If you're in front of me, I'm all in. 
I wish I grew up in a time where there wasn't technology, where there wasn't even the temptation to have to keep up with everybody else that's out there. I wish I could just be right here. And every moment that I'm at, I'm right there. But Paul didn't have technology. And what did Paul spend a significant amount of his time in Ephesus? He wrote First and Second Timothy. So he's locking in. He's spending some intentional time. He's, he's giving some commitment. And so I want to encourage you, yes, be in the moments where we link up together, but lock in. Here's three C words for you. How about consider first covenant? We call our membership here partnership. We believe semantics matter because it's not a place where it's about our rights. It's about a privilege of getting to serve God and each other. And so we ask for people to make a covenant First to God, and then to us, a church, right? Which then, at some level, right? It's all voluntary, but we kind of anticipate there'd be some consistency. How many of y'all are good friends with anybody and you're never around that person? No, it takes consistency, takes being there, right? It takes, you know, making sure to have your yes, your yes, your no, your no, right? Being true to your word. And then the last part is commitment because people bother us. I've never, some of y'all like are praying about, oh God, give me a wife, give me a husband, all that stuff. Like, I've never met a married couple that walks in bliss and sings boys to men songs all the time. That's not marriage, what happens when one sinner marries another sinner? Sin! It takes commitment. It takes forgiveness. Hey, dude, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. Will you forgive me? Right? I'm sorry I didn't do what I was supposed to do there. Commitment. All right, number three, lift up. Lift up. That's one of the things we're going to commit to advantage, guys. We're going to keep lifting up. I, I can't promise you we're going to stay up to date with all the cool things the church is doing worldwide. The best music and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that is going to be a common denominator of Vintage Church is we're going to lift high the name of Jesus and the word of God. And, and if I can just encourage you, as connecting changes everything, if considering some of the friendships you have, some of the relationships you have, your marriage, whatever it is, I would ask you to consider this. If that thing is struggling, that group of people or whatever, and you'd say, hey, my involvement in that person's life is not changing everything, I would ask you, how are you lifting high the name of Jesus and how are you uniting around the lifting of the word? Okay? Now, real talk. Pastor, pastor's wife, Annabeth and I, don't every day sit down Wife, sit at my feet, thine word says. We don't have those moments. But we are constantly driving home to our kids and in our lives moments where, hey, I was reading this in the word together and I was being encouraged by this and lifting high the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the moments where we start to leak, the moment when we start to struggle, we can always pinpoint it back to a lack of the word of God in our life. So lift up. Paul didn't just, oh, my homies are back, man. Put on a Steelers game. No, dude, preach till, da- till, till daybreak. 
What is that? They're around the thing they love and cherish most. They're also around the thing that they unite around most, that they unite around most. They might differ on who's gonna win the Super Bowl this year. They won't differ on the word of God. This is what we need to soak up in. And then the last thing, look ahead. Everybody say, look ahead. Because there's a couple of you about to fall out your seat, croak and die. Hope not, in the name of Jesus, please don't. Look ahead. I love how Paul reminded the church in Philippians, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, I press on. Everybody say press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's, you know when I see Paul want to walk to Troas, right? Or I can't remember where it was. Instead of sail, I see him struggling to forget sometimes or to move on. And it's hard. When we went back to South Carolina, I'm just gonna tell you, we didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. There were times we're like, oh, we missed this. Rednecks and all. We miss this because it's what we know. But I'm not on this earth to do what I want to do. I'm on this earth to follow Jesus and be faithful to what he's called me to do. And so at times I've got to forget what's behind and I've got to look ahead to all the amazing opportunities that God has in store for me. And I promise you this, reflective praise inspires future perseverance. If you guys agree with me that as we look back, the greatest things in our life were the connections with people, what do you think the greatest things in your life are gonna be ahead? The people. And so, press on and keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your arms open and your eyes open to all that Jesus is gonna do in and through you for the advancement of his kingdom. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I've asked for Josiah to just come and just play quietly and then we're gonna land the plane. We're not gonna have communion this week or a long response song. I just, I wanted to kind of just lay that out to you and then invite you to take some simple steps with us in connecting. How's God challenging you right now? If connecting changes everything, maybe, maybe for some right here in this room, like this whole concept of lift up, you've done a good job of surrounding yourself with people. You're actually a really strong extrovert. But when you consider all the different things you do with people, it's never about Jesus and the So maybe that's your challenge. That you would begin to prioritize the proclamation of the word of God. Maybe it's uh, the link up side of things. You're really lonely. You're really lonely. And you've got some scars in your life. You, you, You don't trust people well. I want to encourage you. Here's here's the funny thing that I've found. Sometimes, especially when I walk into a church or whatever else, I 
I think I'm the only one like that. But when I make a bold step to say, hey man, can I have your number? Should I play golf this week or hang out or whatever else? And I get to the golf course or the coffee shop or whatever, and that person tells me, do you know I've been praying that God would bring a new friend into my life? I promise you, you're not the only one that feels that way. And so in the name of Jesus, with great faith, would you link up, link up? I know I'm being challenged in this. It's not just about linking up, it's about locking in. So where do you need to take a deeper step with people? Confessing sin, reaching out for prayer, prioritizing things on a calendar, being consistent with that. Lock in. And then this look ahead piece. Who in your life? I, I love Josh's sermon last week was so good. And, and then Ben's sermon about the blast, the impact, changing the city. God has blessed you with where you live and the neighbors you know and the, the, the relatives that even are around you, your associates, your neighbors, your, your coworkers, the schools. Where is it that God's called you if connecting changes everything to go and connect and to love? We do all these things because as Paul reminds us, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. So I wanna encourage you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the first and most important connection you can ever make in your entire life is with King Jesus. Would you repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in him right now? Trust in Jesus. Give your life to him. He loves you. God loves you so much. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. God's word says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I just want to celebrate with you right now. Would you lift up your hand? I want to thank God for your salvation today. We want to walk with you. I love you, bro. I'm proud of you. Anybody else here? I'm so excited. In a couple weeks, one of my good friends who's here with us today, we're going to celebrate his baptism with his family. God's changing lives. Thank you, God. You're so good. And so, Lord Jesus, all the things that you have done today, the things seen and unseen, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. All glory to you. Be exalted now in the heavens. Thank you, Jesus, for this community. Thank you for the way in which, Lord, for me and my family, connecting in with this community has truly changed everything. And it's all because of you. Continue to be the focus, the centerpiece of everything that we do as Vintage Church for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen.